Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I am going to play a rebroadcast of my Surefire Live show this week. I had special guest Mike Fazion, who had it was a really well attended live session and got a ton of compliments and comments on the show. So I'm going to make it this week's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Talk to you soon. Special guest tonight, good friend of mine, recently good friend. Uh, you know, sometimes you meet people. And they kind of come in and out of your life. And some people come into your life and kind of stick. Well, this guy's kind of one of those guys. And um, I uh, I met him. This is Mike Faze. He's going to be our guest tonight. Recently, he announced that he had his first million-dollar month in business. And it's awesome. And it's a goal. And we're going to talk about that. And it's quite the milestone. And I... um Ask him to come on, and he's he's a very giving, sharing person. So he said, absolutely. But a uh, quick story before I bring him on: I, I met Mike at a. Uh, I was speaking for a vendor, and um, they and I was in. I can't remember where I was, somewhere in the northeast, but I think Mike would remember. But after I got done speaking, <clears throat> he came up to me with a beeline kind of focus. And once you know Mike, you know how he has that focus. He has a, a look when he looks at you, like he's looking right into your soul. And uh, he said, I need to know more about this chimney cap thing. And I need to know more about coming to see you. What what are we talking about here? And like he was very intent on what I've been talking about. And, you know, through the, t- through the years, we, we, he can he came to Nashville. We did, uh, we did my blue collar university and um, he was already on a, a fantastic track and it was great to work with him. And there's some funny stories around that too. And then, Later, he had been working with Chad Murray and uh, he's, you know, I guess he told Chad, hey, you need to meet Mark. Mark, you need to meet Chad. And that is how I met, you know, Chad Murray. So Mike is kind of a a cog in all that. So uh, with that, I want to bring Mike on and and hear his story. So welcome, Mike. Hey, appreciate it, Mark. Yeah. Uh, How are you? Really good. Really good. Yeah. Things are Things are rocking and rolling over here. Yeah. Well, you know, when I first, when I met you, well, when we talked again down at Heat Shield, when we were at that thing and I said, you know, you're going to have to come out of your, your out into the industry and start talking to people. And you're like, nope, nope, I don't want to do it. Nope. (laughs) You remember that conversation? Yeah, That was a couple of, a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. You finally broke me down. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, somebody, I wish I could see who this was. His eyes are looking through you. <laughs> I don't, Chad said the same thing about when I met him. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you don't know. Most of the time we're talking, you're smiling. But when you uh, when you're focused on something, you have a you have a thing about you that's very focused. And I think that's what most people who encounter you can see. And it, it, it's cool. Uh, so it's so it's Chad. So Chad said the same thing. So, uh, so, uh, but it's awesome. But uh, so let's talk real quick before. Just let's get some Mike Fazy backstory. And I know sometimes you like saying this, but some you can you tell everybody kind of how long you've been in the industry? And you actually run a couple of businesses. And tell us kind of how you did all this. Yeah, well, I've been in it for a long time. I was a teenager. Um, you know, I started do, doing this kind of work. Um, it was two trades back then. We'd sweep chimneys in the winter. It was very seasonal. Wouldn't even try to do forward scheduling or anything like that. Uh, I'd sweep chimneys in the winter and then do window screens in the summer. So I'd have a trailer, a big trailer with a bunch of window screen frame, and I'd pull up at people's houses and build screens. And, um, you know, just as soon as one trade started getting slow, the other trade picked up and and that's what I did. But I was it was very much, um, you know, traditional top hat kind of chimney. Like how many chimneys can you sweep a day? Maybe do some crown repairs, maybe some caps. Um, really no education. Just how many can you do a day? Yeah, that's and, a good uh, point. A lot of us were like that. Yeah. And 
after doing that on my own um, for a year or two, it just felt like Groundhog Day to me. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't ha- live the same day every day for the rest of my life. And so I hired someone to to run it for me. And um, I was like, I'll be, I had a friend who was a pilot, he took me up in a helicopter, took the doors off. And we just like, we're buzzing, you know, buzzing uh, around uh, over the river. And um, I was like, Oh, this is, this could be your job. Like this is badass. So um, yeah, I became a fixed wing pilot. And then after my first license, I kind of mapped it out financially. And I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't, this is going to take a long time to pay my bills. Um, and then I got a job working for a big framing company. And this is well, like everything was booming. So, um, and they wanted me to be like the license holders. So they helped me get a, a my GC license, yep. which is really cool. Um, and I got to go around to like, I mean, I was like the most, probably the most worthless guy in the company. <laughs> like I didn't speak Spanish. Everyone, you know, everyone spoke Spanish. Um, I got these weird projects. Like they had a, a 40 foot saw. It was cool though. It was cut, it cut all the top and bottom plate. And they tasked me with taking it out of their, um, you know, they had a wall plant, take, take it out of their wall plant and make it mobile. So I bought this 40 foot shipping container and put this big saw in it. And it had like a laser it would etch where all the windows and doors go. Really? And um, yeah, we plopped it out in the middle of a dirt field. We got a giant generator and um, they gave me a crew to run it. And I mean, it's hot. You're working in, in this like shipping container in the middle of a field in the summer. And I found out that um, I could actually run it more efficiently by myself. So I'd send the crew home and so you'd have to feed the machine. It worked at a certain pace. And then you'd grab the material at the other end of it and like hammer it together and and kind of wrap it up to go and you know one unit would be like a one apartment and so yeah, it was kind of just like a workout i was like oh this is i'm just at the gym all day you know i'd be drenched in sweat um, <laughs> it's kind of like building a firebox where only one guy can really build it everybody else is just kind of watching you know you know they bring you the mud and sit there and watch one guy do the work and so yeah it was super fun so and i got to see a lot of like um, meetings where, you know, it was, the, the, it was a bunch of leaders or, or business owners. Um, and even that, I mean, being so young, I it instantly just noticed like, Hey, these guys aren't like, some of them were pretty bright. Not all of them though, <laughs> but the common denominator, I was like, Oh, these guys are just really good at making decisions. Like they're all decisive, just boom, right. boom, boom, right or wrong. They make a decision and they go. And that's the one, that's what separated them from, and everybody else so so you learned that business but then got out of it got back well, out of then, back into chimneys yeah then 2008 happened and um you know the housing bubbles and so that kind of fell apart and i came back to my business i'd always done the marketing and i'm like how come the, we're not busier how come you know but i had one guy running it so of course like who knows all the bad stuff that was happening. Right? Um, so he actually, I don't know what happened. He dusted a house or something, something pretty bad. And I had to fire him right at the same time I was coming back anyway. And um, I started answering the phones and they were ringing off the hook. I'm like, Oh my God. And luckily I had a, had leased a little space. I was building like furniture on the side or something goofy like that. And then um, so luckily I had like a little bit of warehouse space and just started hiring people but that was that was pretty rough time i mean really um you know why every time i see you i'm so like appreciative and um what the chimney industry did for me like i was so just i was just plodding along like going nowhere working working my ass off and until i you know started hearing you talk and hearing other people talk and um you know, like I, I went, one of the first things I went to was uh, uh, Lindemann's thing in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the classes and I, even then I like wasn't super into it. I'm just like, I don't really get it. And I was sitting next to somebody and I was like, what's the one takeaway you have or something like that? And they were like, oh, read this book, Traction. And I went home and I read that book and it changed everything. Right. Um, yeah. So. And so. 
So backing up just a little bit, why didn't you go to college? How did you find yourself in the trades and not uh, not going to school for a degree? Yeah, I well, I started going to college. I started going to college in high school. Um, my mom, you know, um, I don't think anyone from my family had been to college. So it was always like spotlight was on me to do that. Right. <laughs> and I went and it was just like, I mean, I didn't go to a, a good college. I went to like a community college. And um, I went for maybe a year and a half or something. I was like complaining in front of my mom one day. I'm like, man, this is so horrible. Like I'm just sitting there like losing my mind. I was like, I could read these books in a couple of days and get all the knowledge out of the class in a few days. And, but instead I'm sitting there an entire semester and my mom turns to me. She's like, why are you going? I'm like, for you, the only reason is for you. <laughs> so, so that was it. I dropped everything that day. You know, I wasn't, I it just, I think if I had gone to like, maybe if I was in a better program would have been more entertaining, but um, I always knew I wanted to be in business. I was always an entrepreneur um, and hearing other guys' stories. I th- I feel differently. You know, I don't feel like, oh, I was a technician that kind of stumbled into this. <clears throat> From the very beginning, I was a business owner. Right. And and uh, some people like my daughter knew that. Right. My daughter, had, I mean, she couldn't work for somebody else. She's total entrepreneur through and through. And she knew it from the beginning. I, you know, I kind of went along that path, but I worked for a while in a factory and did stuff. So I kind of defined my entrepreneur spirit. And, um, but I've got several questions or several little t- things real quick. I want to catch you up on what people are saying. So this is funny. Uh, uh, Cody Whitwood says, uh, it's the phasey focus. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he said, it's chimney time, baby, let's do this. Uh, and then also, um, that you hand out awesome hats. I wore my hat tonight that was from you. You you cost me a lot of money. You sent me these hats as a as a gift. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody wanted them. So I had to spend thousands of dollars because everybody and I walked into a car dealership the other day uh getting my oil changed and the guy's like, I need one of those hats. So thank you, Mike. Uh you, you started something in our industry with these type of hats. Um uh Steve Scout said, way to go, Mike. Uh, and then uh, also, uh, Scally said traction is an awesome book. So, um, uh, Su- Susan, uh, she works with me. She said fired for dusting a house. Yikes. <laughs> we might've had to have some more firings around our place, but so, um, we got a great crowd tonight. Uh, Chris, uh, asked, how did you handle the stress of beginning out and figuring out, filling out your positions that you needed? I mean, that was, it was just total chaos. And I I guess I just didn't know any better, you know, now it's, I feel it's so much different. I I don't know what I was doing back then. I was just under a rock, you know, I wasn't reading books. I wasn't um, educating myself. Um, And now that they're like, really, that's so, the thing that's so cool about the chimney industry is everybody's helping each other out. And I'm in a few different industries and they're not all like that. Um, where'd you go, Mark? So I, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a few different industries and a lot of them are, you know, they're the opposite. They don't want to help you out at all. Um, and so, you know, there's that and it's just so easy to get information now. YouTube, there's leadership books. Um, it's all out there. Um, so, I mean, it's still the way that we're growing and and what I tell people, you know, I ran into a new guy this morning, um, from Las Vegas, his first day. And I was like, yeah, man, the vibe is, you know, it's kind of like chaos sometimes. And, uh, that's a growing company. It's exciting. You know, that there's a future for you, um, that you can grow into and, you know, it's not for everybody. I, I think it's a good a good point about what you said about chaos. So like when I first met you, you know, we started going through your business. You're like, I don't really know quite how I'm doing all this. I'm just kind of doing it. And you were very transparent about not having all the answers and not knowing exactly all the things to do. But 
still kind of being fearless to go into it? And how, like, what is your, what is your feeling about, about risk and chaos or like, how do you look at, at businesses and how do you push forward so fast and so hard? I think I'm just kind of dumb, you know, <laughs> my strength, right? Like if you, if you overthink it and plan it to death, you're never going to do it. So you just got to, Hey, let's dumb it down a little bit and, and do it. You know, I, I, um, a few years ago, maybe a year or two before I came out to see you, I, I really tried to follow that traction book and um, I read it and I'm like, okay, I think I'm the visionary. And then I went out to find uh, an integrator, like very, very specifically, like someone that's opposite of me. Right. So I'm the chaos in the company. Michael Rice, our integrator, he's the yin to my yang. You know, he's the numbers guy. He's we're total opposites. We get along great. We're like almost exactly the same age. Both named Mike. It's like, um, Except when you came to Nashville, he was the chaos. <laughs> we were both. We were, yeah. Well, you you were. You set us off. Hey, go down. <laughs> right. We're like, hey, we're tired. We want to go take, you know, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, like, no, really? no, no, just go go check out Nashville. And <laughs> I don't yeah. remember that conversation going like that. <laughs> yeah. So I got a question here. Um Susan Rainey says, um, uh, do you guys think success is more nature or nurture? Success? What do you think? I mean, I think it's two parts. I think you have to have a drive to start something internally. And also, you just have to have a grind about you. It's like, uh, I think you have to have a consistency for the grind. and. Um, to me, that's kind of what it is. It, it we we learn. We're not afraid to start and fix it as we go. And I think, to her point, a lot of people try to fix it all before they start, and therefore they never start. And th- you and I, and Chad, and several others, and I think Chad's saying is go get yourself in trouble. Our our point is let's go. You know, it's ready, fire, aim kind of a thing, and. And I think we go go hard into it and we have enough confidence internally to know that we can just like you did with making, you know, going out and getting rid of everybody and making those doors and you you could figure it out. Like, I think for me, I have enough confidence that if I'll jump into it, I'll figure it out. Would you would you put yourself in the same category? Yeah, I don't think I was born that way. Um, I think what happened, like I had a really, really good upbringing. Um, my mom was super awesome. We got to do all kinds of, she brought us to Tahoe, like every week I was on ski teams, like everything was great. And it was like too great. And I was, um, kind of a chaos, chaotic teenager. And we got in an argument one day and she's like, if you're not, you know, something about being under my roof and following my rules and it clicked. I was like, oh, I could move out. <laughs> <I'm not falling." laughs> right. So I was like uh, 15, uh, 16, I don't know, something like that. And, and I moved out the next day. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna fail. I'm not gonna like be in a situation where I'm going to call my mom. Hey, can I come back home? And so just whatever it took. And like, I didn't have much of a job. It was, you know, I was not even 18. And I ran out of money at one point. I remember going into the grocery store with like $7. That's going to last me two weeks. I walked out with liver and onions for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Bad choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, liver's cheap, you know, onions are cheap. Um, but yeah, not for two weeks. And uh, yeah, I think that's what kind of flipped my brain into that mode. Like, I'm going to make this work no matter what. I think so too. You know, uh, I think this is still Chad. Um, Oh, so one of the questions, what part of country is Mike's business in? I'll let you say, answer that. Yeah. So we're in, um, I'm in Sacramento right now. We're in Northern California. Um, You know, it's growing my business. We've been doing the chimney fireplace trade, but we also still do the window screens. And more recently we do security doors and, the part of the business that we're really scaling right now is um, 
the security doors. So we're opening a bunch of satellite locations. Um, I kind of made a big, big goal for the company. And so it's going fast. It's like easy, easy to make the goal. And so it's hard to make happen. So, and so the last yeah, you're scaling that, that business. You're probably still growing the chimney business locally, uh, you, but your your focus right now is to scale. You found something very scalable in that security door business that you like. You know, I can plant these. Basically, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and we're still growing the the fireplace and chimney business. We have super awesome people that are finally like coming into their own. Um, we got a guy, Mark Alling, who's just, he lo- loves to give back to the community. You know, one of his big goals is like to teach kids. So he wants to build a gas training facility. I'm like, you got to come with us to the heat shield thing and talk to, you know, guys like you and hook up with the CSA. And um, so I'm like backing him a hundred percent, but um, yeah, security doors were opening up satellites all over the place so we have you know la san diego austin houston um fort worth dallas uh phoenix um las vegas that is awesome <laughs> yeah so. so so you've are so let's talk about that so how important is vi- so I'll, I'll just tell my story real quick and and i think it it, it kind of I remember when Mike Bodart several years ago said, Hey, uh, we had our first million dollar month in the chimney business and it blew me away, but it set an internal goal that it could happen. It's possible. And then we hit it several years ago and now, you know, we have to like, it's so so funny. You hit the million dollar month, but then you have to have like, that's the budget. And then, then it's two million. Like you, you scale up, but that first million, I remember the first million dollars period was amazing in chimney business, like a million dollars in chimney business and then a million dollar month. And then, you know, we were watching a thing, uh, Jimmy Hiller, who's here in town, who has a Hiller, he had a million dollar day. And yep. I know somebody else didn't want me to mention it, but they just uh, f- are finishing their million dollar job in the chimney industry. So there's all these. So how important is that? somebody setting that bar out there for you, like how important was it for you to, to focus on? To hear you say that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's everything. It, um, yeah, it totally opened my eyes. I'm like, damn, you know, I know Mark, he did that. I, I, I could do that. Um, you know, it wasn't something that I pushed out in front as like a company goal or anything, but it's definitely just rattling around in my head for the last, it does. you know, year and a half. And, um, you know, I noticed us getting close and I was like, Hey, we could do a couple of overtime days and get it this month. And, um, yeah, super. Well, cool. I think you, you really, by putting it out there and especially the way you did it is very respectful, but also kind of letting the industry know this is what's happening in our industry is possible, right? You put it out there and I think you've inspired a lot of people. Like I can tell that you doing that has inspired it's put that little seed in a lot of people's head. I hope so. I know it's like, you know, business owners, we talk about revenue and there's some numbers like that because I think it's just like a tangible thing that you can bite on. Right. But really like what I wanted to say is like, I'm so proud of my team, like these individuals that have sure. um, just grown grown massively over the last couple of years and they just blow me away. Like the, that kid, I posted the picture. I kid. I mean, he's 24, um, but he's running our company, you know, he, uh, that it just blows me away and how fast that he's moving and, and learning and growing. I mean, I was nothing well, like that when I was 24. <laughs> so there's probably, yeah, right. And me neither. I was welding, welding in a factory. So tell people, you know, a lot of people are like, well, if I had people like Mike does or like Mark does, I could do it too. Talk to people about how important you building a culture to foster that is. Um, what really helped. One thing that made a big difference is I went back and reread traction and I'm and um, actually Tristan from rooftop. He was like, I told him about our level 10 meetings. He's like, I don't think you guys are doing it quite right. Or it could be better or something. 
So I reread it and I'm like, yeah, we're not, we're not following the timeframes. We're not doing this and that. Um, so we just followed it to a T a few times and got it dialed in. And then I added in, um, I made a list of videos, just YouTube videos on leadership or whatever. And, uh, we watch one of those. And so it adds 15 minutes to the meeting. Um, and so I made a list of like 30, 40 videos and we never get through them because there's always like something that pops up, um, that week. So I can find a video that's more relevant. Um, but it generally has to do with leadership, um, management, something like that. And so we watch a video, we go around the table with action items and, you know, maybe one, two, five videos don't make much of a difference, but you do that for a year and a half and that really shifts the culture. And then we started doing that, you know, with different departments and all throughout the business. Um, and just level 10 meetings in general, like anytime now, anytime there's like, I sense there needs to be some accountability in a department or even externally. Like if you're talking to a marketing company and you're like, man, every time we meet, we tell them this and they forget it or doesn't happen. We just throw level 10 meetings around and, um, Keep track of it that way. You know, we used to do level 10 means and you've got me inspired to get back into the level 10 means. I used to do them when we when I think we probably came back from the same meeting. I don't think we knew each other in Puerto Rico. I was there, too. And I think Todd Smart was speaking and he was the integrator for Lindemann and uh, he was the EO representative. Um, so talk about a level 10 meeting. For those who don't know what it is, can you just give a quick rundown of, of how, now again, highly recommend reading the book, What? but this is a very organized weekly meeting. Can you give a rundown about what's in that level 10 meeting? Yeah. So Dan typically runs them. Um, you know, everything is timed. So it'll be five minutes. You go around the table. Everyone starts off with some, some good news. Um, could be personal, could be professional a win that they had in business. Then you go over and we've changed ours throughout over time, you know? Um, so you go over maybe company metrics and there's a few minutes to go over our quarterly rocks update where everyone's at. Um, and so real quickly, if you don't know, rocks are the big goals that you need to get into done in 30, 60, 90 days. The big stuff that you got to make sure that you're responsible for that you get done. So you go over those and do updates on the rocks. Thank you. Yeah. Otherwise you're just plowing through day to day and you never, you never get to those things. So um, yeah. Where's everyone at with their rocks? Then you go through um, last week's issues and you go, was this done? Was this not done? So that's where all the accountability comes in. Cause it's all always assigned to somebody and you don't want to be the person that like two weeks in a row is like, Oh, I didn't do this for what, you know? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't feel good. So um, there's a lot of accountability there. And then it goes into the issues. So everyone has to bring an issue. Um, and the issues and then, are the longest amount of time, right? In, in your meeting. Yeah. Like, so I think so most like, of these things you're talking about are five or 10 minutes and the time goes off and you move to the next. Exactly. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then the issues you spend about an hour on there. Mm -hmm. um, it's about a two hour the, meeting, hour and a half meeting. About an hour and a half now. Yeah. And they always used to try and push them long because we always have more issues than, you know, you get to. And they're like, let's just let's just stay an extra half an hour and go through. And, and I let them do it once or twice. And then I was like, no, nah, we got to cut it off because then you have too many issues. People can't, you know, fix them during the week. And then it just messes up the whole thing. And if there's not an end to it, then people, um, you know, that's a time to really hardcore focus on on your business. And... Yeah. You know, I saw a post the other day, someone was like, oh, how, does, how do you spice up your level 10 meetings and make them more fun and this and that? And somebody chimed in like, you don't. You have fun the rest of the time. Like your level 10 is where you <laughs> buckle down and, and solve the problems. Yeah. Um, and, then, yeah. and then you wrap up. Yeah. And then uh, one cool thing we did is we got Dan a little buzzer. So if, you know, it's just natural for people to get sidetracked. One issue blends into another one and, you know, all these weird kind of side topics. And so when, when that starts happening, he just presses this buzzer and it's like, he records different things on it and it <laughs> makes everybody shut up and start over. So And so then you just rinse and repeat, right? It's every week. It's amazing how much you can get done and how also everybody feels heard. And also there's accountability piece to it that everybody has something to do that they need to be tracking and getting done. Uh, and everybody feels like a, 
a part of it. You know, they can get out what they need to get out. Um, I mean, it's great for technicians who sometimes feel like, hey, they don't have a voice or, you know, they, they notice. Like, I don't do that job, so I don't know what issues they're having and they need an outlet to, to bring those up and to solve them. That's a great point. I mean, I, I find that to be one of my problems, too, is that, uh, you know, I think Jonah is watching Jonah Lindley, you know, Jonah, and he's he brought up some things. I'm like, man, and somebody else brought up something today, too, that, you know, I'm looking over here and I'm watching this. And then sometimes people, in the, you know, it's ha- other things are happening. I don't know that they're happening, but I wish I knew they were happening. And uh, I think this you know, this level. T- so would you say that traction was a big part of, of your million dollar month, having those, those foundational things in place? Um, what, what would you say that, you know, top couple reasons to be able to scale your business to this size? What were they? Yeah. Traction is the structure. Um, even if it was a business with just myself, I would still follow up. You know, I'd have a level 10 meeting with myself just to hold myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a level 100. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's the structure. And then, I, I mean, really what that post was, it's like, I just feel so grateful and appreciative that I have all these amazing people around me. I mean, you've met Shannon. She's just, you know, I mean, she's fun when we're hanging out, but her she's she's just a hundred percent and we're like both in it right now and just to have a partner like that who I, I don't know I guess it's pretty unique a lot of people don't like to work with their partners or they're like oh that's too much or we work together all day and hang out and do our our hobbies together and um you know quick story so you and I were in Hawaii a few months ago, a month or so ago whatever it was and um my daughter was there with us and so we're there with Jim Brewer a bunch of old chimney guys and Mike wasn't there at the beginning and then we met up with Mike uh on Hawaii and uh my daughter's there. She's like, Oh, I really like these young people, you know, you and Shannon. She's like, I like hanging out with the young people. And I, I thought it was pretty funny because I still don't think of myself as old, but I'm, I'm sure I'm there. But um, so what I think too is interesting about what you're doing is it is with a young, it's with a young crew and you're, you're, you're able to, uh, you know, elevate people probably more, like you said, that guy was 24 years old and running your company. A lot of guys wouldn't even give that guy a chance to do it. He took it, man. I, I, I can't, you know, we didn't, we didn't give him anything. He takes it. He, um, you know, he'll, he'll work seven days a week. He'll uh, do whatever it takes. He makes a lot of mistakes and then he figures it out. And the next week he's like a different person. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, he's at this point, he's a better middle manager than I ever was, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's also finding those little things, you know, for him, it was really cool because, um, you know, it's like, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? And they totally shifted over time. Um, you know, and once I said to him, I was like, do you realize, cause he was getting close to where we were going to promote him. And I was like, you realize you're going to be the youngest operator of a 10 plus million dollar business in the country. That's not through like nepotism. You know, it's like, I didn't know him three years ago. And it just like gives me goosebumps to, you know, and that's just his hard work and devotion. And, and he sees the longer vision. Um, I think it's good, great leadership on your part to recognize, promote and let go, like let go of stuff. I think the biggest problem that most business owners have is a is a control, a control of the whole process too much that they strangle. The, the owner is almost always the bottleneck. When I consult with a lot of people, they don't want to hear it, but it's almost always the owner doing something, staying in the way feeling like they have to do something and they can't let something else go. Uh, would you say, how do you feel about control? I mean, there's, there's a, obviously to me, it's like having a baby, like you got a little baby and you got to have a lot of control when it's really young. And then it's a toddler and you can kind of, you still got to be there or kill itself. And then it becomes a teenager and you just got to kind of be hard on it. And then it becomes a mature adult. And and all of those times, you've got to be let learning to let go of all kinds of things. Would you would you say that's 
a way you think about or how do you think about letting go of command and control of your business? There's probably some things that I overly control that I I don't really, I could do better at, but um, I I don't know that that's been a huge issue to me. You know, I like to, and at this point, every department in my business, there's people running it that are way better than I am. So it's, it'd be a joke for me to (laughs) go in there and tell them what to do. Right. It's exciting. You know, I've said a bunch that it's actually easier to run a big business than it is a small one. It's, it is, yeah, in a lot of ways getting easier and um, the redundancy is awesome. So, you know, the, the, there's those weird sizes in business where you have, you know, one person doing this and they're just like a key, key person or just, um, yeah, weird things that don't scale well. You know, I think we were talking before about sizes of business and where it all, where you need to like completely redo everything, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, when's the next one coming? And um, I think it's threes and tens. Have you heard that? Like 3 million, 10 million, 30, 100. I, I can believe that. I can totally believe that. I think it probably comes before 30, <laughs> but, but but I can see that. Like probably as for sure, I always tell people every million dollars is different, but sometimes you do like, you know, we went five, seven, seven, nine, nine, eleven, eleven, fifteen, and that was a big jump, and it causes all kinds of different things. But um, I think you're right about that. I know you're right because not everybody too can scale with you, you know. And I, I had a situation today where I had a guy, um, you know, stop quit quit, and he'd been with me a very long time, fourteen years. And he's like, you know, and he said the he said the thing that I always watch for, which is the death knell of some of a conversation. I said, well, I liked it better when it was smaller or man, I it's a lot different now. And I liked it better back then. And that's a revisionist history of your business because it sucked back then, too. It's actually better now. For sure. They they have a, a, a tendency to remember things better. But whenever somebody says that, I know they're about on their last they're about on their last stretch with me. Yeah, it's always better. It's especially if you go on Facebook and see all the political, like all this stuff about how it's so negative. But I have this coffee table book, and it's like all the positive things that are happening in the world and how much better <laughs> things are than they were. You know, is that the um, one that's got duct tape on it? No. I don't know. There's one that's got a piece of duct tape on it, and it is like that. It actually shows you how much better things are now than they ever have been. You're safer. You're wealthier. You're healthier, like across the board, you know? I mean, we were in, you know, two years ago, we were in like uh, 5,000 square foot, like just crammed into this, you know, tiny warehouse and everything was dirty. Um, All the trucks were falling apart. This year, I bought like 30 something brand new trucks, you know, like. <laughs> Isn't, that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it blows my mind. All, you know, we have a, this really cool facility. We're building um, a lot of fun stuff in there. And so yeah. clearly what you have is momentum. And that's one thing that a lot of people struggle to get in the chimney business is any kind of momentum. I would see them at conference after conference and they were pretty much the same size or they might've grown one truck or it's a big deal if they added two trucks. Um, how important is momentum to what you're doing and to your mentality towards growth? Everyone feels it. And yeah, it's hard. It's like going to the gym, right? And you stop for a while. It's like, man, that first couple of times back is brutal. Um, I, mean, I did a big kind of goal uh, a few months ago. I mean, this year we were actually going to, the, the goal was to take the foot off the gas, sort out all of our processes. Cause they totally fell apart last year. We just hit a weird state stage in business and, um, you know, our, our production processes fell apart. A whole bunch of stuff did. It was just a brutal year. So we're like, Hey, let's, let's not grow. Let's just fix everything. And they actually fixed a lot of things way faster than we thought. And I could tell people were getting a little bit restless and I'm like, okay. And then we opened up one satellite and um, a lot of the advertising that I wanted to work out or marketing didn't. And we had to rely solely on advertising and we just made it work. 
And I'm like, oh, I can, I can replicate this. And so I, I let it bounce around in my brain for a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I think we, we have the crew to have a big goal. And, um, I don't know. I think you got to have the balls too, to just say it out loud and like yeah. let people hear it. And I love that's right. You do have to say it out loud. You've got to claim it. You got to, you know, you got to proclaim it into the universe that this is going to happen and that everybody knows. And, um, and also momentum is exciting for people and lack of momentum is bad. Now, sometimes people get tired of too much, you know, momentum. They, they get kind of weary, but it, they get weary of no growth too. You know, I, if you didn't grow, people get tired of that. Oh, you're you go out, Mark. oh did it? Not Can sure you what hear happened. Me? So right here in the live broadcast, he couldn't hear me. Something happened to his speakers and so we had to figure out some stuff. I had to call him on the live and talk to him on the phone or he could hear me, but it's still recorded. So I'm going to do my best to kind of splice this back in where we got communication again. So thank you for bearing with me. Am I still? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can't hear you. Um, oh, no. What happened? Hold on. But hopefully you can hear me. I can hear you. Okay. Nothing. Can you hear me? Hold on, Mike. Said yeah, so, well. Hold on. I'll tell you what my goal is then while you fix that. Yes. Um, you know, a few months ago, I was like, hey, we can, we were uh, $6 million last year. And I was like, hey, I think we can 10X this in a thousand days. So that was our big goal. Um, and and then I figured out how to do it after that. <laughs> right. and, can you uh, hear me now? But yeah, that's that's what we're doing. So I have this I have this countdown timer on my desk. That's how much time we have left. Seven hundred fifty one days to get from six to sixty million, and uh, we have a plan. It seems to be working so far. Obviously, I've never done it before. So, in a growing business, um, I mean, it's not for everybody. And I tell we we try and lay out expectations when we onboard and we hire people. Um, you know, you got to embrace the chaos. But there's a lot of stuff that comes from that. The question, um, let me just read a couple of things real quick. Um, you had some questions here. Okay. It said, do you know if you're, if it was your most profitable month, your million dollar month, or uh, it was just your highest growth? Congratulations on hitting this benchmark. Thanks. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was actually our uh, most profitable month in a while. Nice. Um, yeah. So normally when we grew that much, it was not profitable. Whenever I had a big grossing month, uh, especially early on, it meant I had to put a lot of money into the company, buy a lot of stuff to hit that the first time. Um, so, it, but it was both of that for you or um because a lot of times when you're growing fast, it's not as profitable. You kind of got to pick one or the other, but it sounds like you're kind of doing both of them. No, that's pretty, that's pretty true. We went through a bunch of months that were not as profitable. You know, we, we had a, we had a really good business size a few years back where um, we're doing great. Everything's great. And then we decided to grow and grow fast. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, weren't making you know money. And then now we're, I feel like we're just turning a corner. So it's just kind of up from here. So tell everybody one more time, because the phone was blanking out. What's your big goal? Did you say 60 million in like 800, like two years? Yeah. So we're going to 10x what we did. You know, we did 6 million last year. So I'm going to go from six to 60 in a thousand days. And I have this stupid countdown timer I'm looking at every day right in front of me. <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of backwards engineered it, what needs to happen to do that. And um it's possible and we're on track. So, so probably one of the questions would be to how are you doing that? How can you spend that much money? How can you, how can you 10 X something like that? Is it, um, are you cash flowing the whole thing? Do you have investors or, or if it's none of my business, that's fine too. I, but you know, some people want to know how would you grow that fast? Well, I, I think it would be difficult with chimneys. You probably might have to do a lot of some acquisitions and you have a bunch of cash behind you to do it in the chimney business. Um, you know, we're definitely growing that. 
a, a little bit slower. But to do it with uh, the security door division, I mean, we have our training program that we're we're getting better and better at. We fly guys in. We're going to have them here for three weeks at a time. Um, I bought a house so they don't have to stay in a house instead of a hotel. You know, we'll put bikes in there because they stay over the weekends too uh, if they live in a state that's further away. So we're making an experience for them. You know, bikes, kayaks. Hey, you can go to Truckee or Tahoe and Yosemite. Um, and, you know, finally using Connect Team to to do a lot of the training processes and that's helping a lot. Um, but yeah, having that three-week turnaround, you know, I'd say our cost on recruiting and putting those guys through training is about 30 grand, but um, I don't know if we're getting lucky with the guys so, that we have so far, but um, I think you make your own luck. I don't think <laughs> you're getting lucky. Well, tell well, me this, how important was it for you to go see other businesses? I know you came to see mine, you've seen Chad, you went to Tommy Mello's, like you've gone out, you've reached out and it seems like you've put together a plan of best practices and then your own practices. And then you develop this master plan. I mean, is that fair? Yeah. What, what do they say? Robin R and D Robin duplicate. <laughs> I mean, Tommy, Tommy Mello has a very similar business model. So he had a kind of an open house thing. I'm like, we need to go there. And uh, I told everyone, you know, we took some of our management team. I'm like, all right, you got one goal today. That's to find a mentor. And, um, you know, so our COO hooked up with their COO and, you know, probably yeah, they talk a couple times so a week. Much. When you get around other businesses, you walk in the door and you learn something. You spend a day or two days with them. It'll change your world. It, it, there's these companies that stay in their own world and don't get out and see other companies are really missing out on some of the fastest way to grow that there is. And Hiller was the one of the companies that you went to see. Uh, I've I haven't gone to see him, but I I went to see Lee Company, which is nine hundred. They're bigger than Hiller. Nine hundred service trucks. Uh, Lee Company, thirty million dollar uh, world class facility for a blue collar business. I mean, white yeah. noise. Hundreds of customer service people. Just this whole HVAC world has a lot to teach us um, in complexity and sophistication in growing, scaling, and, um, and so, and so does Tommy Mello. Like he's got a whole different philosophy on what can happen with garage doors, right? He's, and you're doing it with security doors. And there's a lot of businesses that can learn, you can learn from that. And I know uh, some people have asked to come out to see you. Are you able to have people visit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. More than happy to do that. Um, I know you were talking about that, doing something in the spring maybe. And yeah, I um, wanted to do the business symposium out at your place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, happy to have people out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's who I'm looking at every day. So having a million dollar month is like, oh my god, I feel like I'm stuck in the mud over here. You know, that's that's how I feel every day. Yeah, you get around like, these guys go faster. Have, yeah, I mean, you know, again, Hillers have a million dollar days, right? And when I went to Lee Company, they they do three hundred fifty million dollars a year. So they have million dollar days every day, right? That's like what they've built to. We, I think we've always thought too small in this industry. And I've always, you know, in some ways I'm considered a big company. And like you just said, in my world, I don't think I'm big at all. I think I haven't even, there's so much more that can be done. So many more customers that can be serviced, but we get in our own way so much that it, it's hurt our industry overall. Now, Almost all industries have to scale up, but ours, it's time. I've always believed it's time to grow. It's time for Mike Fazies. And there's a handful of guys like you out there. You might be, it might be in the front of the pack, but there's a handful of guys that are wired like you are to see what this chimney thing can do, you know, and by its very nature, other businesses kind of glom onto it, right? I think if you can run a damn chimney business, you can run anything. I think it's the hardest business. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're telling me about some of your other uh, businesses and oh, for sure. So, but that's kind of cool. You know, you get, you know, you, you do this and, and makes the other stuff kind of easy. It sense. does. Like I'm in the powder coating business and powder coating is actually, it's very profitable and so simple. Like the guy I bought the business from thought he was handing me like this super hard business. And I looked around, I'm like, man, this is like, this is like 
a level one inspection is harder than this whole powder coat business. And I could just see how it could grow. And other businesses I have are much simpler. Uh, the chimney business, if you can figure it out, uh, you've learned a lot of skills to, that you can translate into metal fab, powder coating, screen you know, doors. Like there's a million other things, maybe even HVAC. I haven't figured out HVAC yet. We're on that path, but, you know, we're learning it. Well, yeah. we got a few more minutes. So let me make sure if anybody else has any questions for Mike, um, here's a question uh, or it's a statement. It's whatever. Does it does it bring back memories? Does it bring back memories of starting small guys? So I think I might have miss, missed something. But I mean, I think we everybody starts small, but you don't have to stay small. It's like it's OK to be born poor in America. But if you die poor, that's pretty much your choice. If you die with a small chimney business, that was a, a, a million choices you made the entire time to stay small. This thing naturally wants to grow. But what you've done, Mike, what it really keeps coming back, what I keep hearing in your in this is that you've built systems to grow on. You've built some amazing systems that allow your people to grow and your business to scale. That and we're, you know, I feel like we're it's a snowball rolling downhill and we're just collecting these people that are amazing over time, you know, and it's like just a magnet. And um, I, I mean, that's really what that post was about. Like, I just can't be more proud of my team. Um, and we just have these super cool people all over. Well, you know, success has great magnetism. And when you are successful, there's a group of people that don't want to lead the way, but they want to have your back. They want to be right behind you as a as a good leader. They want to they don't want to cut the wind themselves. It's too painful out there. But man, they like seeing you win and they like getting right in behind you. And we need each other, right? They need you. They need me to cut the wind, but I have to have them to keep the thing running. Like you can't do a million dollars a month on your own, right? That's not possible. You, I saw an analogy, a business analogy of a super bounce. Like, so whenever you're on a trampoline and you jump, you can only go so high, but you got six mm-hmm. or eight people on that trampoline and they bounce a little bit before you, it sends you way high and you're experiencing a super bounce is what this is. I mean, and, and so do I with really great people, they they can launch the whole thing way faster or higher than anybody with a couple people or one person can do. Um, yeah, it's super fun. I mean, that's, you know, you you kind of alluded to it. Um, you're Mr. World Traveler for a minute, right? Yeah. Um, how long were you gone from your house? A couple months. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come back and you're like, oh, I miss this. I miss my people. I, I miss, did. you yeah. know, and um, I mean, that. That for me, that's kind of what it begins to be about is kind of, I don't, I don't totally feel like a coach, but kind of helping um, and watching some of these people grow and how their lives change for the better. You know, once money kind of becomes like, you know, it's that hierarchy of needs, right? Once money becomes kind of taken care of and just acquiring more money isn't as fun as helping other people grow or starting things that help other people that becomes the real there's other people who just want to collect dollar bills and stack it up to the ceiling but after a while your heart kind of comes through whether you're a if you're a bad person more money will expose if you're a good person ideally more money exposes that too and you're seeing that i remember when one of my guys started not liking to deer hunt anymore, but he liked watching his kid deer hunt. He's like, I get more from watching my kid deer hunt than I do. And I think you're experiencing that with your company and your employees where it's so exciting to see them win. It, it, it's, it does something for you that you set up a game that they can play and they're winning at it. it you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more things. Um, uh, there was, uh, he said, now I'm a two man company. He's really enjoying this live. Uh, Jack Washman, who just came to see me, I said, so encouraging to hear this knowing we're out here trying to make similar things happen. And he's one of those guys I'm talking about. He's wired. He's wired like you are. He's wired like I am, uh, you know, and he's just, he's just getting going and figuring out things. And of course, doing, doing a handful of things wrong, but a lot of things, right. Which I told him that 
it's just the barrier to entry. Like you, you have to be willing to go through the fire and the pain to get to the other side of this, right? You, you can't, you don't have to escape it. Yeah. I mean, there's been some rough days and that's what I tell our, our management team, our company, we don't get to bypass all these, all these things, all these learning opportunities, right? Right. All we're doing is condensing time. So you just have all these learning opportunities one after another and it feels terrible sometimes. <laughs> it but. does. That's exactly, I, I love the way you put that because that's exactly what it is. We're, we're learning and condensing time and, and the faster we can go through these problems, it's not like problems ever go away. They just change and ideally they become less painful problems, but you know, Peloton is laying off like, I can't remember, 30,000 people. And they're one of the number one, like they're going through a crazy hard time. We're much smaller than that. And we, we learn, I don't know, we just, you have to go through it. You don't get to escape. You don't get to skip any steps. And you're not doing anything wrong by going through it. If you're, if you're one of these small businesses, listen to me and Mike talk and you're going through the grind and the terrible congratulations. That's exactly what we did too. Right. You don't, and Chad will say the same thing. You don't get to not go through it. And that that's what this kid does. I keep calling him a kid. That's what Dan does. You know, he'll run a meeting, run a tech meeting, and then he'll go to a different person every time and say, hey, can you tell me what I could have done better? Yeah. And that's how he's going so fast is like asking for this, you know, critique constantly. Yeah. Jonah, who works for me, Timmy, there's a handful of guys that always want to have you tell them, am I doing okay? Do I need to do better? And that's so refreshing, right? A uh, couple more things. And thank you for your time. We're about to wrap up. So this one says, Mike, your openness is awesome. Thank you. Um, next question was, who wrote the book and what was the title again? I think they're talking about traction and the, the author is Gina Wickman. Uh, and uh, that book's been around for a long time. It's a must read. It's a, there's also a whole company behind it, the EOS system. You can hire some of these people to come. Have you ever hired any of the EOS integrators or the people to come work with you? Or have you just done it in-house? I haven't. I think we probably would. And then we are, our quarterly meetings are, are kind of clunky. You know, mm-hmm. I'd want to see one that's run really well. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so I would like to, in the next year, ha- have an implementer come out. Um, I think they're maybe what five thousand bucks a day or something like that. I think it's about that. I mean, it's not a cheap thing, but it's. Uh, I think the people who who do it, like Chris Becker, um, he, he, a lot of people know Chris. He he uses EOS implementer for a while until they felt like they really didn't need him anymore. Like it's not a permanent gig; it can kind of help get you going and then and then let go. But um, let me make sure I don't have any more. Uh, yeah, I think that's all the questions. Well, any, any final words, Mike, any final words of wisdom, or if there's a guy that is, you know, two to two to five trucks, um, what would you tell him in this, in this spot to, to get through that? I tell him to go to see you and go to see Chad. Like I, I, you know, all I know is my experience, which is not, you, you've had so many companies go through your program that you start to see all these trends and know exactly what they should do at at certain times. Well, thank Um, you. And same with Chad. You can, you can see it. And same with Chad, you know, he knows he's like, Oh, here's exactly where you're at. Here's exactly what you need. Um, and and I would do that. I mean, Chad's still my business coach, you know, he's the one who got me in this mess. He, 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 I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, he was, uh, uh, he's like on this career path kick, right? He's like, you need career paths. So all these employees will, will, you know, they know they have somewhere to go. Yeah. And so I started writing that out and I was like, oh man, this is, this is a real pain in the ass. I was like, maybe I could just grow my business fast enough to where everyone sees it and knows that there's opportunity and I don't have to write these damn career paths out. <laughs> so I totally the career, career, career path is stick with me and we're going to make careers. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm growing the business out of laziness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people say that once it gets to a certain size. I think Chad says, Mike has a superpower in gaining relationships and sponging off those in the best way. <laughs> but you know, that's a compliment. I mean, I think all of us, we just take what we do probably better than the average person is we don't really come up with anything new, but we implement on what we see faster than other people. Like 
almost none of the stuff I've ever done did I actually create, but I saw it and I implemented it fast. And I know that's a fact about you. You're a super fast implementer of ideas. And, and I think that to, to Chad's point, you see it and move on it where a lot of people see it. They just don't move on it. And if you're, if you have the knowledge and don't do anything with it, it's the same as never having the knowledge. You know, at least once a day, I say progress, not perfection, somebody. And, you know, it's kind of finding these. um, I like being on the forums because you find the pain points. It's like, oh, we can't hire people. So I'm like, oh, we need to figure out how to hire people and unlock that key right now. And everybody else is struggling with that. And we'll get and then it was, oh, we can't find trucks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and buy 30 trucks or whatever. (laughs) You know, and uh, I mean, not yeah. that I did the, the recruiting thing. I mean, Shannon, Shannon, and Angelica Wright on our team—they're every day they A/B test something, and it just gets better and better. And their process is like just blows me away. Well, again, what, what you just said about A/B testing is a system you've created. It, it's you when you look back at, at all your success, you've created systems that you can build on, and other people can build on, and actually makes your life better or replicatable, or at least trackable. Like you can track A-B testing as a tracking system for what works better. And that that's a system that I bet 99% of the people out there don't have any kind of marketing or especially in hiring is A-B testing and what's working and what isn't. I know we don't have that. We do it on some Facebook things and some marketing, but we don't do it in hiring. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, with anything, you're like, hey, let me test uh with half the people, I'll schedule them on Tuesday. Half the people, I'll schedule them on Thursday. What's the better day to schedule them for interviews? And okay, now we know it's Thursday, so let's move on to the next A/B test. And it just you do that for a year, and you have a pretty good process. Pretty good system. And I don't have to be here, and it's just continually, you know, you know, I got I got pretty sick earlier this year, and yeah, well, know, I don't have to. That's a great point, Mike. And I'll, uh, Mike, you know, not to go into details, but Mike had a health issue that took him out of, out of whack for a while, was out of the blue, was, and, and it, it really talks to the point of the necessity to build a business. So, because if you hadn't built the business, I mean, you'd be in a, in a bad situation. Or if you had all the keys to the castle, the whole business could have been wrecked with what you went through. For me, it feels safe to build a bigger business and have these redundancies. And so, you know, whereas maybe some other people would, I don't know, to me, I just see, I just see what the alternative is. And this is, to me, it's a safer path, even though it is, you know, kind of, I don't know what you call it. Scary. Frustrating. It could be, it could be scary. Yeah. Um, You know, the reason I wrote that book is because I watched my mom build a one person accounting business and fail. My sister, her husband was a framer, he's a builder. He got hurt, business went down the tubes. And I was building that exact same business with my super small chimney business. And I'm like, and then I fell and got hurt. And, and it's a kind of an older story, but it was the aha moment that I have built something that is totally vulnerable, totally fragile to my health. Uh, sickness, all kinds of things could just crash and ruin this business. So wouldn't it be better to build it that it really could remove me and still run and I still had an income source and a, and a source of value for the business? It seemed to me to be better. Now, it's not for everybody. Everybody can't do, can't be Mike Fazy. They're not, don't want to be Mark Stoner or not going to be, it's not going to be Chad, any, you know, Lindemann, but you got to be you and whatever you're watching this, whatever you is, I think multiple people and locations and career paths and a true business is safer than the other alternative of building one that just, if, if something happens to the owner, it's over with. I can't tell you, probably four or five times this year, somebody called me, one person operation wanted me to buy their business out of desperation. And almost all bigger businesses, people call you to buy their business. I had it happen with a sheet metal guy, another powder coater, like some chimney guys, please buy my business. I'm like, you don't have anything to buy. And so for you, for me, one of the other things is to truly build an asset that's worth selling. But Mike, I know we could talk all night. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, here's a question. What's the name of Mike's business? Oh, funny. It just it's, changed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, Mike's Mobile um, was the name for a long time. And then we, we're rebranding in the middle of it right now to Den Defenders. Right. You went through uh, an, a pretty high-powered agency, went through a lot of uh, testing to come up with your new brand and new the whole thing, right? Yeah, pretty brutal process, actually, if you, if you involve people in it. They said, don't try not to involve people in that, um, and they were super right. But yeah, it's Kick Charge Creative, um, and there's a lot of psychology that goes behind it, and they're just, they're I'd say, the number one branding uh, company in the nation. They're Kick Charge Creative. Kick Charge Creative, yeah, Dan Antonelli. Um, but they're book solid. I mean, they're like, you know, nine months out or something to so they're yeah. good a couple last things um chad says hospitals suck uh build a business survives if you go to one <laughs> yeah, i mean Ch- chad knows we chad uh, knows and then you build a business with your employees with your employees careers as a first priority and you won't lose yeah great stuff mike how to thank you for tonight and uh man thanks for taking time out of your your 10x day i know this even just this little time your timer clicked down and and you you (laughs) people we and we've lost some of your timer (laughs) so but uh guys thanks for tonight mike thank you for joining us man and uh uh, anytime you want to come on any milestone, any aha moment, you, you've been super helpful to this industry and, and thank you for, I know it's not your comfort zone, but you're obviously becoming more comfortable at it. And our industry is, is really uh, the better for it. So thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thanks, right, Marty. Thanks. Have a good night. Man. I love talking to that guy. Um, I think we're still on the phone. Um, so the um, fantastic stuff. I know he probably can't hear me now. I should have left the phone going. Uh, but that that being said, thank you for everybody who watched tonight. Mike is a superstar. Mike uh, Mike is willing to help anybody. He's got the right heart. Uh, love to promote those kind of people that are that are fast movers, but big hearted people, and want want more for other people. Like he said, it does. It does as much for us to see other people grow. We, we're in your corner cheering you on. I'll be the biggest cheerleader of anybody growing or or living their best life in whatever size business they want. I don't want to always say that growing and building the business is the only way because it's not. It's simply sometimes terrible for some people. Uh, you've got to be wired for it or or get with a team of people that you're all wired to for some kind of success. All right, guys, that's the, that's our time for tonight. We'll be back next week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.